0: tell your story about yourself as a human being i see too often a portfolio site that says uh, i'm jb allenson i love designing uh hard problems right uh designing solutions for hard problems like every single person can say exactly the same thing so what is the statement you can make about you as a human that will catch my eye and and help me understand who you are because as a hiring manager especially hiring Uh, new graduates it's you somebody is taking a chance on you and they're they're probably going to be hiring you for your potential and not your skill today and you need to you need to express that potential to them uh, in a way that makes you stand out
1: hello friends my name is Kirill and you're listening to my UX career podcast On this podcast, I'm sharing my personal thoughts on how to start a career path in UX, how to grow your skills and become a better designer. Also, I have conversations with other designers and design leaders trying to show that there are many different perspectives and opinions on the key questions about UX career. So if you're a UX designer or considering becoming one, this podcast will get you better prepared for finding a job in UX opinions expressed on this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views of my current or previous employers. And don't forget, this is just one human's point of view. Today, I'm talking to JB Allenson. JB is a senior design leader with over 25 years of experience building products and services and also leading teams. This is an episode from the Q&A with design manager series. JB shares his story of becoming a design leader, gives advice on how to stand out from others and the common mistakes he sees in applications and portfolios. He also shares excellent insights on what hiring managers find important and how they think. Also, we talk about empathy building as one of the key activities that will be hard to automate in the future, why companies are not rushing to hire junior designers and a lot more. Enjoy. Good morning, JB. Thanks for joining us uh, in this series and being willing to share your perspective on some of the key questions that um, designers have um, on top of their mind. Uh, let's start with the with your introduction, like the current role, of the company, and what's really what you what do you do there.
0: Uh, so I'm uh, the design manager at Benevity. Um... Uh, we have a team of about 11 product designers, and uh, our product is really about uh, enabling enterprise corporations, big brands, huge brands like Twitter, Google, Starbucks, and our favorite brand these days, Pfizer, to enable their sort of corporate uh, goodness programs, which really allow, is is empowering employees to volunteer and give to causes that they care about. So that's really my day-to-day um, at Benevity.
1: Yeah, that's actually an amazing problem space. A while ago, when I was working in the big company, I actually identified my own need and like a gap in the uh, in the services for the employees that there is no really way for the centralized kind of volunteering hub when like a person can really who wants to contribute to a cause, it would be easy for them to find ways like that the company supports and really kind of help this way. So I think it's it's an amazing
0: uh, problem trying to solve, and it's it's a surprisingly complex. Really, these huge corporations with all their systems and uh, moving f- money around and and enabling these people to, to make it as, as easy as possible is actually a surprisingly hard challenge. So it's uh, pretty fun. That makes sense if your target audience is really kind of enterprise
1: level, like huge corporations. I guess like the the levels of the approvals and bureaucracy that you have to deal with is definitely more than average, especially comparing to like the typical tech startups. Uh, yeah, it sure is. Awesome. So, let's start with your story. And I'm curious to learn why you even decided to go the the design route and um how did mm-hmm. you get into the industry? Maybe your first job, your first steps uh, that you realized that that's your thing.
0: So, for me, it was I was really I feel a little lucky because uh in grade 10, I had a graphic design teacher. And I always liked art and I was good at art, but my father always said that I had to make money and so I couldn't be an artist or for him at least an artist didn't make money. So, uh, I always, I found graphic design to be really uh, attractive. And so uh, that just in grade 10, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I want to be a designer at that time. It was graphic design. Um, and so I, I sort of found my way. I went to uh community college, took some more technical print production, uh, programs, but then really, uh, found my way to Caplano college and took their program, their graphic design and illustration program. And that sort of turned me into my, into my, uh, the designer I am today uh, so much. And my first role really began at a small marketing agency in Vancouver. It was called Ideographic. I stayed there for actually over 11 years, uh, really small team. Uh, and I really learned a lot about the sales and entrepreneurship there from, uh, from Garrett Chong, who was the owner. And then I found my way. I wanted to, the, the mobile was on the rise and I really wanted to, um, Work with other great designers, and so I found my way to switch interactive, as an in actually a slight role change. I actually changed into more of an interactive producer, so trying to bridge the and the developers, the design team, and clients, and t- sort of bring projects together as an interactive producer. So I had a bit of a a, a career change there, um, and then really mobile took off and I wanted to do to, to work at a place that created apps. So I, I moved to conquer mobile, which was, uh, building enterprise, uh, great iOS and Android apps. <clears throat> they also had this amazing product for training perioperative nurses, which I got to go into operating rooms and film operations happening. And, and the instruments that were being passed around was a crazy experience. Um, But then I I realized that I had gotten too far away from design and I really missed it. And I had this amazing opportunity to come back uh, into the design world through Mobify, who was building a uh, uh, e-commerce software that basically transformed traditional desktop e-commerce sites into great mobile experiences. And I learned so much there about design management about e-commerce about mobile design and that really and and that was all happening at the as design systems were taking off uh as modern product design was taking off or at least for me what felt like uh, a renaissance in modern product design and um then uh i I most recently found my way to benevity uh which is really amazing uh a really large team working with again and uh really on a on upward growth trajectory so uh yeah, really exciting and it, it I think, you know, the path of design is very windy and and takes very many very, a lot of different directions. So, it's really uh I feel really honored to be in this industry.
1: That's a very interesting path and uh some of the names are definitely well known in the industry and um in the local um uh scene, especially like Mobify and like the one mm-hmm. of the success stories that's definitely especially I think you you were there, working there when it was going through a uh, high growth phase um, and it was I, I'm sure there were lots of learnings there but also curious about the first experience about the 11 years you said right um, mm-hmm. and then when you learned like sales and uh, and kind of more really running business uh, perspective like kind of more more of those details on the business side. Uh, eleven years looks like a very like a place that that, that allowed you to grow and learn and uh, kept you satisfied. That's quite impressive uh, tenure, eleven years. You you don't see. Yeah, those, it was uh, those also during the today. time
0: where it was also during a time when the the web was just taking off. So you know, I was building webs with with tables and single pixel gifs, and we were figuring it out. And and you know, it was a lot of corporate sort of brochureware at the time. But I learned a lot, and I I got to be able to make everything. I basically designed and made everything, and and the selling of it was I I really began to appreciate how hard it is, is to, to and the importance of pitching and selling and and convincing others of your work. Um. So I yeah I, I it was very foundational. Um. There I would say though my a piece of advice is early in your career don't stay up at your first job for eleven years. I really. I feel like I lost out in the network building. I didn't, it was a small group. There was two or three, four of us at times. And I didn't build that network that is so important for young designers. And that's why going to a slightly larger organizations and moving around early in your career is not that uh, bad of an idea to build that network of people because those people will be the ones you work with in the future.
1: That's a very good point. Uh, thinking about uh, how I have been building my network and uh, my relationships with the, with the industry folks, uh, that definitely when you change a team, especially if you have like a bigger team that you're joining, uh, the, your circles like expand significantly comparing to like staying within one company. So there is definitely a benefit uh, uh, to switching teams and uh, moving to a different place. Um, that's actually a good segue uh, into the question about what what would you kind of what advice would you give uh, to the the junior and entry level folks who are trying to start start their career in UX. Uh, what um, what do you wish you knew when you were starting this?
0: Don't underestimate the power of the network. Um, talk to a lot of people. Uh, you will f- probably find your first role accidentally. You will have a conversation and that person will have had a conversation with somebody else and then we'll refer you to them. And then it will sort of come, uh, it'll, it'll turn into a role that all of a sudden pops up and like, you're there in the right time. So talking to a lot of people really is important. Um, realize that your, your path is going to wind. As I said, like, we don't know what the industry is going to look like in 10 years, um, It won't be the same as it is today so like expect your role to change and 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 be comfortable with that change um and um i think really work on your craft i think i talk to a lot of students who have not had the benefit of designing long enough right so uh you know if they've gone to a program that is less than a year They've been designing for less than a year versus a student who has come from a four or five year program who has just had more time to design and like make mistakes and figure things out and build muscle memory. And so for those students who are who have come from a a smaller program, keep designing every waking moment, be designing something takes, you know, sketching, playing with the tool and just compress that learning into as, as short a period of time as you can.
1: That's a very good advice. Uh, I love it. Uh, so, it's kind of also, I mean, there, there could be some overlap with the next question, but uh, maybe you can elaborate for, from a different point of view. So, if you were to start today, um, and especially considering how much competition uh, the entry level folks now have with all the boot camps and like multiple different programs that just like keep pumping out uh, new talent uh, with, I guess, like the basic foundational knowledge. It's really hard for the for the for those graduates to stand out because everybody goes like through the same templates and like the same kind of exercise and just like just very cookie cutter approach. Um, which I understand why it's happening, but it doesn't help the graduates uh, when they need to stand out. Uh, like when you have a stack of hundreds of applications as a hiring manager uh what advice would you give them uh especially for for those who are just graduated um how they how could they stand out from the others
0: yeah uh I get this question a lot and I see it a lot. My advice to new graduates is to ex- to tell your story about yourself as a human being. I see too often a portfolio site that says uh, I'm JB Allenson. I love designing uh, hard problems, right? Uh, designing solutions for hard problems. Like every single person can say exactly the same thing. So, what is the statement you can make about you as a human that will catch my eye and and help me understand who you are? Because as a hiring manager, especially hiring uh, new graduates, it somebody is taking a chance on you, and they're they're probably going to be hiring you for your potential. And not your skill today. And you need to ex- you need to express that potential to them uh, in a way that makes you stand out. Um, I think that's the biggest piece of advice. Um, and then, so for me as a hiring manager, uh, you have my attention for a very short period of time. When I'm like, I pull up your resume, I pull up your site. You've got 30 seconds, right, for to, to catch my eye. Focus on the craft as well, like. The, the piece that you're putting in front of me needs to be executed very well. It is a design. Your portfolio and your resume is a design problem for me. Like you are solving to capture my attention, right? So put some care into like the spacing and the, the typography and the, the, the way it feels. It doesn't have to be expansive and huge, but it has to be well-crafted. So that's it. Stand out personality-wise and be well-crafted is the way to, to get attention.
1: I'm curious if you have any advice on how a person who doesn't know themselves yet well enough to kind of determine what what's special about them like what maybe mm. uh like how would you really go about understanding yourself better to to craft this personalized uh, kind of sales pitch of sorts
0: So I often tell people to lean on your history so you are not defined by the 12 12- months that you took a boot camp as a designer. Your history through life defines you who you are. And I often meet people who have come from different industries even, who are doing a career switch, who have come from industrial design or have come from psychology or have worked in academia. And like that, that actually makes you an amazing designer. And people don't talk about that. So like think about those things that that skills you have learned. Um being a uh, a waitress in a restaurant and trying to like, you know, service people in a, in a, in a great way. That to me is like, you're going to be able to be great with talking to clients. Right. So ex- express those things that you've learned and those skills you've developed uh, through life um, and and do it that way. Don't underestimate it. I-, it.
1: I love it. I think it's amazing advice. Um, I- I'll, um, I'll definitely, I- I- I'm sure that lots of people will appreciate this nugget. Let's talk about what makes a good resume to you. Like from your point of view, what are you looking at? What's the format? What's your opinion on the creative type of the resumes? Mm -hmm. Uh, How? Yeah. Let's talk about. So for
0: me, the number one important thing with a resume is typography. This is where you express your skill as a as someone as a designer. You need to be great at type, and the resume is the place to express this. Uh to be honest, the resume is the least important thing to me in the application. I look at it, I'll often pull the resume up just briefly. I'm just kind of looking at their path and then I go to their portfolio. Right. But if their resume is like super generic, and, and I mean like like a word template generic, uh you know, the there's hanging bullets like that drives me crazy. When when they don't do proper bullets on things, like those little details of craft is what shines in a resume for me. Um, and then also just take the time to make it feel a little bit unique. Put a bit of your personality into it, both from a visual perspective, but also in the words, like, again, tell a little bit of a story. Um, how you do that, I, I don't think it, it matters. Um, but really, it's about the craft of the typography that I look for uh, in the resume.
1: Mm-hmm and uh as a part of your responsibilities uh and like in the benevity at the benevity right now and uh, at the previous companies uh how often were you reviewing each resume yourself or maybe uh some companies and like i've seen trend that more and more companies uh apply i guess automated screening of sorts when they just like no creative resume would go through this successfully. Or if you try to put something a bit more creative, even in the text layout, the system just trips out everything and like presents it like as a just like Times New Roman, uh, like with just a wall of text uh, as a result for the person who reads it from the
0: site. So I look at every resume, every applicant that comes in. Uh, Our system is pretty basic. It just, it doesn't really do any, I think it does try to sort of, Pull out the text, but I I rarely look at that. I actually open up the file. Um, so I don't as a design as a designer, I don't think you should worry about that too much. You may run into that at, at really large corporations that have complex systems, but um, I, I don't. As a hiring manager, I am high touch, so I want to look at everything first. I don't let the recruiter sort through it. I I sort through every applicant first, and then. We sort of that pool. Maybe we'll go to the recruiter for phone calls first. Um, but I I look at every single every single one. Uh, let's talk about portfolios.
1: Any advice? Any tips? Any mistakes? Uh, the format? The structure? The number of case studies? Uh, what's your What's your expectation of a good portfolio?
0: So I think the the first mistake people uh, do is they they think the portfolio is is like basically gets you the job. And I, and what I would say is the portfolio gets you in the door. You also need to have a presentation that during the interview will probably be asked to present your portfolio. Those two things need to be different. I do not want you to scroll through your website in an interview. I want you to put together a deck. I want you to present it as if you were doing your job at at Benevity and presenting a piece of information, Right. So you should have two types of portfolios, one to get you in the door, and one to like really get into the details. So the one to get you in the door, I do not think needs to be the long. Um, I think a few, depending on your, again, depending on your experience, if, if I'm a seasoned senior designer, I should probably have, you know, three to five great projects to, that someone can look through. However, if I'm a new graduate, maybe I just have one page that really is well designed and well-crafted and sort of tells a story of like why I should take a chance on you. Maybe it isn't, I don't need to see every school project, uh, you know, with miles of text. I don't really think that's helpful for you. I think you're better off to condense all of that work into a single page and a single story for me to be like, Oh, this person is skilled. They seem really interesting. Let's have a conversation right? Um, and so design those two things, your portfolio for the two audiences. One is like a hiring manager who you have for 30 seconds. And the other is where you have a presentation where you may be spending 30 minutes to an hour walking through in detail your approach to particular projects. The other thing I think <clears throat> gets forgotten about is people forget the why. The why did you do this project, right? Um and then how do, you, how do you know you were successful? So again, for new graduates, this is a little harder because you don't really, it's not a real world project. But if you have had a real world project, I want to see you know, how you knew you were successful, right? And why you did this thing. Um, and I think that's the piece that gets forgotten about. But even as a new grad, think about the why, why did I design it this way? What choices did I make? What choices did I put in the garbage? And what choices did I move ahead with? That allows me to understand your sort of thought process and uh, things like that. So uh, bring that to bear. I don't need to see photographs of your sticky notes on a wall. That is not helpful. Your process is not particularly helpful for me to, to like know. I wanna know what your process gave you. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So from the from the structure of a case study and uh, let's go with like the first one, which is kind of just kind of to, to pique interest and to to get you in the door uh type not like the detailed one so from the structure and the storytelling uh do you expect to see the process even like in the high level steps or within the case study or uh you you prefer starting with like the visuals and just like the end the end result because there are two different kind of polarizing opinions in the in the in the industry that i've seen like some people and some design managers prefer just gonna give me the end result i want to see how good you are with the visuals and like with all the details but some other people prefer to go like to be walked through the process, like the key steps, and you can to, like kind of follow together and then arrive together uh, to the uh, the result.
0: I don't think I have a strong opinion either way. Um, as long as they talk about like what was the core problem they were trying to solve, who was this who was this problem for, or the solution who was the solution for. Um, how did they know it was a problem to begin with? So like, what was the research they did and the understanding ahead of time? Um, the path they took to get there and then how they knew they were successful at the end. This was a, like, the solution was the right solution. How they tell that I'm not as, as I don't have a strong opinion on. I do think it is a bit of a marketing thing. So like hitting me with a great visual at the start does draw me in, but um, I, I don't, I'm not particular. Keep it short though. Keep it keep it brief.
1: Let's talk about the future of this profession, of the UX design profession. And thinking about all the automation that's happening, all the ways how companies add machine learning and AI to really replace some of the responsibilities. More, I guess, like more repetitive tasks uh, of what you think a designer, at least historically, has been doing. And uh, I'm talking about like the full process, like starting from the initial research, like through all the kind of Conversations, ideations, like prototyping, like everything. So from from that spectrum, there is a huge list of, I guess, steps and like tasks and activities. And some parts I'm I've been seeing that companies try to automate some parts to to free up the designers to work on something else. So from the future, I think there is a risk that some parts of the job will be replaced by automation or at least kind of somewhat automi- automated. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. What maybe direction or what type of activities uh, and new designers should be focusing on to future proof this job?
0: I don't think you can ever, ever automate empathy building, right? Uh, if we think about design thinking, uh, to empathize with the problem, to define the problem, I don't think we'll ever, that has to be done by a human being because we're designing these things for human beings. Um, I think where automation may come into play is we are getting to the point, especially on like interactive wise, of we know what a good form field, like a form, we know what a good one is, right? I don't need to get fancy and I it actually form field specifically, when people try to be fancy with their form fields, I actually think it's a it's a downside. It's like this is not where you should be spending your time. Um I think design systems are another example of the, the, we know what a lot of good patterns are and using a system actually helps me design the easy stuff fast. It gets the easy part out of the way. And it lets me focus my time on the hard problems. Those hard problems are always going to exist. The complexities of systems, the complexities of human behavior are always going to exist. I don't need the layout of these components in a page. That's probably the easiest part about being a designer. And I think that's I I think that is still a challenge with our industry is people get into design because they, they think design is a visual exercise. And the more I spend in this industry, especially the last five or 10 years, product design is, is so much more. There's like the visual part is like the last 10%. And it's all that hard work of understanding the problem prototyping, taking a divergent approach, testing the down to like, okay, what actually works, taking myself out of the equation, my opinion, uh, and trying to, you know, talk to users and understand that is, is where the real challenges lie. And um, the, the future in terms of this industry is we all need to get better at that part. I think we're all figuring research out and we're all figuring out how to empathize and define these big things.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with the, the the last step of the design process. I mean, like before launch, I mean, uh, the visual design piece is I see it like as just icing on the cake. But what exactly is this cake is like the vast majority of the work that uh, that I, I've i been doing. And frankly, I enjoy way more than just like this last step, which more like about just pixel, pixel pushing than, um, than really kind of solving the problem itself. Uh, So I completely agree with that. And uh, that's what I've seen Like that's being automated, especially with, I think, one of the pivoting videos for me was when I saw, I think it was Airbnb. When somebody sketched something on the, there was like a a demo of their AI, of the machine learning mechanism, how they produce the designs, the, the visual design. So somebody sketched something on the whiteboard and the system Recognize the shapes and like the layout, and then connected everything to their design system and pulled the right components in. And as a result, there was like a screen that, that the system designed, which is like so, I guess, shocking a bit. At least, I think it was like five, about mm-hmm. five years ago. And it was a, an interesting, I guess, red flag for me that this last step will be automated first, like of oh, the just kind of converting all the thinking that went into this, like a really defi- defining the. The problems and the needs, and then like just this—the last layer of the of the visual design was, I don't know, like a few seconds, and it's already there, which is scary as well, <laughs> for especially for folks who focus on that uh, on that last step, right? Um, so I completely agree with that. So that's a good point. I forgot to ask one question about the portfolio. So thinking from the fresh graduates, especially the bootcamps, which is a a big big number of the of the job seekers in the market right now. Uh, so the vast majority of them, they would have just one, one group project, uh, in their portfolio. And I guess one tiny, uh, additional, like not even a project, but somewhat, some kind of activity like heuristic evaluation or so, some kind of minor, minor, uh, method that they want to illustrate in their portfolio. So as a result, they all look the same. Uh, they all kind of yeah really kind of don't really show the depth of their work so how would you especially if they don't have the, the first job right so how would you um suggest how would you really tackle this problem if it were you so if you need to stand out from like just that point of view and really how can you add more work examples work samples without getting a job
0: so the way i the what i encourage students to do is your portfolio is your next design project so that portfolio that you're creating um is a project right it's not the it's not the container of a bunch of projects it is the project and that's why i i often think that boot camp students should focus on creating one page sites that tell me a story of them and the work they do and the, their capacities um or capabilities um and do that in a way that is unique to them and that's sort of what i encourage people to do because again you have to be designing. You need to be designing all the time to make up and compete with the students who have been at a program for four years, right? Who have have a breadth of work that they can show off. You, you need to comp- now do this project, this portfolio project, to like tell your story and to stand out and solve a pro- solve a problem of getting in the door. That's the design project. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. Uh, Let's talk about one
1: of the biggest debates in the industry about design exercises and whiteboarding and like all this, I guess, a variety of flavors to this method of evaluating a specific um, skill set from the candidate point of view. So I've seen lots of uh, negative uh, rap about uh, design exercises as a method, as a tool. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, the vast majority of this negativity comes from the format of when somebody, like when the candidate is given a a design exercise, a take home exercise uh, for kind of a few days, a couple of days, the uh, one it's not paid, and when it's re- also related to the business and the kind of the problem space that the company is working on. So it it's more perceived as a kind of free labor and like free ideations. Uh, uh, without getting compensated, so I'm curious to. But there are many other types of those that I see, like personally, see uh, more fair. But there are so many different opinions on that. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on on these uh, methods.
0: I we used to at Mobify we we did uh, design exercises. It was uh, in you did it in the interview. It was like we did a half day interview and it was you got sort of had two hours to to execute on something. Um, I've moved away from that. My At Benevity now, we do not do any design exercises at all. I think really the way to tell, uh, to learn about someone's capabilities is to have a conversation with them and to lean on what they've done in the past and how they've done it. So really getting into the details of the work they've done. That's the best way to, to see if they can do something in the future. But I've seen too often people crumble. I've even crumbled in them. It's like, I don't... Uh, I don't have enough time. I don't have a context. I don't work this way. Like you're, you are working in a way that does not reflect your day to day. I don't see how it can be a good judge of uh, you as a designer. Like I need more context. I need to understand this problem. It's not a real problem. So am I in my fake the whole, like I'm faking this conversation and, and we're making this thing up and it's a silly thing. And uh, like, and you just get like spot out and you're like, okay, I don't know even know where to start. Oh, two hours is gone. I have to hand something in. I don't know what to do. Like, it just is a, I think it just has failure written all over it, and it 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 allows certain types of people, the same certain type of people, to always get hired over somebody else who might be just as uh, even more successful in the real world. Um, so I think it's better to be able to have real conversations, but then that for me requires me to be a better interviewer, but it also requires candidates to come with like lots of details and to really show their work in that portfolio presentation. Um, and really be able to get into the weeds on stuff um, for that to work so that's that's my opinion on design exercises we don't do them anymore
1: okay let's talk about benevity. i'm curious to hear more and let's start with the team structure what kind of roles you have there how specialized you're going like what's really a typical i guess scope of responsibilities for designer for each of those roles um Mm -hmm. let's talk about this
0: so we recently moved. We we before I started, they were working within a model of they had visual designers and UX designers, and there would sort of be a pass of work between those designers. We've now moved to everyone being a product designer. So uh, each designer owns a particular part of the product, and then we have uh, product design leads who then oversee a product line. Um, and uh, th- those designers on a product we're trying to pair very distinctly to a, a product manager and also an engineering league. So trying to create a try you know that classic triad system. Uh, we have a mix of intermediate product designers and senior product designers. Um, come many have come from different areas. some have been, Again, more visual in the past and some have been more UX in the past, but we're all sort of now developing the skills where we are, you know, need more work. And so that's kind of exciting for the team. And, um, the design team itself lives within a larger team called the product experience group, which contains product uh, content product designers or sorry, not product designers, content designers, uh, and front end developers uh where this is where our design system also lives so the product experience and then we work with the product management group uh and then we have an engineering org so those three coming together we are sort of on a journey towards a the the idea of a sort of strong empowered teams working in triads and or we call them quartets because we can also involve product uh, marketing
1: Mm -hmm. and how how much research you do for like as a part of the product designer role
0: uh, so at the moment we do not have a dedicated UX researcher so all designers are responsible for get, conducting uh, evaluative research and generative research um, when when required
1: mm-hmm. Is there a plan to kind of go into more specialized roles and I understand like that you combine both because like for from the design point of view the product designer is I guess at, at least the visual design and the kind of UX architecture is kind of a bit more related than the research but I've seen that, um, the research is actually quite an interesting skill, like the a skill in, in itself, and it may. Uh, there is a risk that uh, if the person doesn't have a proper research training, uh, the quality of insights may be actually misleading and sometimes harmful for the for the for the decisions that are being made further. Right. So I'm curious how you solve this problem, and maybe if you have like any, I guess, training or education for for the research piece specifically.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great great point. So we are. Uh, in the coming months, going to be hiring a dedicated UX researcher to sort of elevate everyone. Um, I do believe though that in general, evaluative research like usability testing should be done by the designer. Um, but it's in that early research where really somebody who, who is a dedicated researcher and has those skills, that really comes out. So I'm, I'm hoping to uh, sort of build up our UX research practice over the coming years with dedicated researchers. But I always imagine... I always want the designers to be heavily involved in that and to learn that skill through working with other experts. So, um, yeah, it's an area we're currently developing, but I, I, I appreciate the, the, the challenge of them trying to do it all, everything. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Makes sense. And, uh, um, could you walk me through your, I guess, typical design process? Like, where, where does it start? Like, for example, a new project comes in. So what's the first time the the product designer is being involved? Like, at what stage? What's the real kind of involvement in those early conversations? And what are the key steps in the design process from the, I guess, like the business need coming in uh, to the final launch?
0: I think with design process, we're not particularly rigorous in, in with any one process in general, we, you know, take a design thinking approach of, you know, okay, what's the trying to understand this problem that we're now going to try to deal with. We, you know, I want designers and product managers to be working together to understand, okay, these are the problems we should be working on. Um, and then working with engineering to be, to, to validate and reduce the risks of, of the solutions we've done before we start making them. Um, in general, you know, often, uh, I really believe in, in giving designers autonomy to their pro- own process. So the tools they use and the process they follow, but most will sort of start a, you know, they'll start talking to to clients or, or understanding this problem and talking to stakeholders to get a sense of it. They'll often do some divergent thinking of here's some concepts, validate that often prototyping it with and testing it. Um, and then moving into uh, building it with the engineering team and then uh, testing it at the end of the day. So it's a lot with enterprise software, the process can be very long for what seems like such a small, simple thing. So I think that's the hardest part is is, is keeping the energy up on a particular piece of work uh, as it sort of takes a long time to to find, find the light.
1: Yeah, I've experienced this myself uh, firsthand with the enterprise versus like startup, uh, I guess, uh, pace. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the interview process. Like what are the key steps? And you mentioned already that you don't use a whiteboard slash design exercise practice. So what are the key steps? How long does it take?
0: So, uh, the process usually starts with, uh, I'll do a, like the applicant will submit their work. Uh, I'll have a review of it. I usually like to try to get back to somebody within like the week. I, I, I think it's terrible that a lot of organizations sort of ghost applicants and like you never hear from them uh, for a very long period of time or the you finally hear from them it's like we've hired somebody else it's like we didn't even talk to me Uh, so I like to get back to people really quickly and then uh, the first step would be the classic you know uh, the people team recruiter having a having a conversation with you for about 30 minutes Uh, then it moves on to a interview with me and probably another individual from the team that you would be on to sort of dig into, okay, we wrote this job posting, we put a lot of thought into the job posting and all the words we used. Let's talk about how you match this job posting. So really into the, the do you have the skills that we need for the role? Uh, and for you to, to communicate that to us. Then we do a, uh, typically what we, we give the candidate two options. Again, we're trying to make their experience as positive as possible. So either we usually do a half day a set of three interviews, or we can break those three interviews up across two days. So whatever someone's comfortable, sometimes the idea of jamming all of this into four hours of talking about yourself can be, uh, doesn't suit everyone. Uh, but basically those three interviews are an in-depth portfolio presentation by you uh, to the team of quite a large group of people to sort of walk us through your work and, and all of those things we were looking for then it's usually a, uh, team, team interview. So the team you would be working on across a diverse group from that and not just designers, but like the PMs and the engineers, uh, talking to you about that. Uh, and then usually a final interview with uh, leadership. So it would be myself or our director of product experience or our director of product. Um, and that's usually about it. So we try to keep it fairly streamlined and fast. Um, you know, my goal is is start to finish that you could go through this process in, in, in a month, um, uh, four, three weeks ideally, uh, but as fast as possible. I find that a lot of companies really drag out this process way too long. And uh, I want this experience to be good for you and good for us.
1: I'm curious to understand, maybe like to hear just your opinion, because as I understand, you're not a big fan of when companies ghost in candidates, which happens. Too too much to to be frank. Way too much. Yeah, way too much. Um. So I'm curious if you have any ideas or guesses why why is this happening? Like, uh, what's the problem here, and how can we solve it? Like, as an industry, as from the candidate's yeah. point of view.
0: I think the problem is 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 hiring managers treat hiring as an adversarial experience. They're like, I'm better than this person that I'm about to hire. I can act in a snobbish way and just not treat them very respectfully. Like. I don't think I would treat a user this way. So why would I treat a candidate who would potentially work for me? Um, and we don't actually design the experience of that, of what, and empathize with the person on the, on the other end and they, the uncertainty they have and the fear and the the nervousness and like trying to show up the best way possible. And we don't empathize with that as hiring managers. And I think we need to start really, really. And it's it starts with like, just respond to people, send them a note. And when you turn them down, give them a little reason. Like it can be what I typically do is I have, you know, people don't move to the next phase for often particular reasons. And I have snippets of text. It's the same snippet I send, but at least at least it is something specific that that person can then maybe adjust their work with or, or do something, um, with, and it's just, for me, it's about responding quickly. You want to either reject them quickly or move them forward quickly. Um, this dragging out for for weeks and months sometimes and never hearing is I, I find just very disrespectful
1: I completely agree I had the same feeling when I was uh in my recent uh like a few rounds of job searching it's definitely uh harms the the employer brand and uh, kind of detracts me from applying like next time and really kind of dealing yeah. with this company at all because that's not a good and sign.
0: I experience like as a senior leader I am experienced that same thing when I was looking for my role at Benevity. Like well, these companies, I would apply to, and I, you don't hear anything, and it just, uh, yeah, not,
1: it's not okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so last question, and then we can wrap up. Uh, talking about the the, the hiring uh, of junior and entry level designers. So we already mentioned that you mostly hire more senior and more experienced folks. So I'm curious to understand why you don't uh, Mm -hmm. hire entry-level folks and um, what could they do to kind of change your opinion, so to say?
0: And I think this is a challenge with product tech companies and the way we organize our, our teams. So this idea of a strong triad, so product managers, engineering leads, and a designer, that person has to come to that conversation with a lot of experience and be able to to argue for their work, right? And that often takes experience. Having somebody right out of school be able to do that is incredibly rare. The problem is is we as tech teams uh are also often spread fairly thin, right? So we don't have an abundance of team members. We are, you know, doing these triads and we don't have much much room for extra people. And I think that is a challenge with this industry. And what my goal is at Benevity with Benevity's team is, once we have some people in those positions for each product, is we then bring in, you know, new graduates or junior designers to sit across many projects, helping those senior designers execute their work, right? But a, a team, it's a challenge in uh, with technology companies is. Uh, That takes a level of maturity and a size to make that happen. So I imagine at Benevity we will be able to do that, uh, you know, in a year or so. But I need to get all the other pieces in place first, and that's where I think often I encourage people to go to agencies. I think are a great place to start because they are really set up with in a structure that is not so triad based. It's it's a little more hierarchical, and they have a large pool of new talent. New designers that then learn from you know their peers and and work their way up. So I really encourage people to start at agencies if you can find find a role there, or start at a smaller, not really brand new startup, but a, a startup that maybe has another designer and who needs a little bit of help. Those are great uh, opportunities to start with too. But it's it's a challenge with the way we set up our whole organizations uh, in in a modern product team that requires us to have more seniors or, or intermediate people unfortunately
1: mm-hmm. and what are your thoughts uh, on hiring co-ops
0: oh i love co-ops are fantastic that is a, if you can find a co-op it gives you that first group of ex, you know bit of experience do as many co-ops as possible uh the one advice though is you always get paid you never work for free uh so a co-op should be paid even for a short period of time, uh, do not work for free because that that is not good. And companies should be paying for co-ops and uh, or practicum or intern internships is a great way to get experience. And that sort of gets you through that first batch. Okay, I've had my first job. I can now apply as an intermediate in some cases uh, because you have a bit of experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so these are all the questions I had for you today uh if somebody wants to follow up or just connect and uh, chat a bit Mm -hmm. more about yourself and your maybe advice and maybe clarify something or have more questions about Benevity, where can they find you
0: yeah i think that i i always tell everyone i'm always willing to have a coffee chat with anyone again in this day it's a zoom coffee chat um but linkedin is probably the best place jb allenson on linkedin uh i'm the only one and um yeah just Send me a message, and I'm happy to. I'll send you my calendly link, and happy to set up a, a conversation with anyone who wants to talk about this, or have somebody look at their portfolio, or answer some questions, or give them some advice. I'm happy to uh, happy to do that.
1: Perfect. I will include the links in the in the notes as well, uh, so it's easier for for the folks to find you. Awesome. Okay. So thank you again for your time and your all your, all the insights that was super valuable, and um, I think I'm sure it will be helpful to a lot of people. Thank
0: you. Yeah, thank you. It's a, a, real, a real pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening. If you want to see more episodes and support this podcast, the best thing you can do is leave a review on iTunes and share with your friends and colleagues. If you have specific questions you would want me to answer, you can submit them on the UX Career website. Go to uxcareer.co slash questions. Goodbye, friends.